Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to The Four Doors, a special message from Brother Dan Cavaney. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Praise the Lord this evening. Amen. I greet you, Greater Faith Apostolic Church, in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a pleasure to be with you. So very thankful to be in Ironton this evening. I I expected myself to be at home in Heath, Ohio as of Monday morning, but I got a text message asking if I would like to come be in Ironton with you beautiful people, and I was more than excited to make the arrangements so I could be here with you. And as it was already been said, I believe that it is the will of the Lord. I believe this service has been divinely orchestrated to this point, and I believe that God has a special blessing, a special word for each and every individual under the sound of my voice tonight. I'm believing that in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. I'm saddened tonight that my wife and my my two sons couldn't be with me this evening. My wife Erin, my oldest Jalen, and my youngest Jackson, they are at home serving at our home church at CLC in Heath, Ohio. Amen. Thankful that thankful for a family that serves the kingdom of God. Amen. But likewise, saddened that they couldn't be with me. And I just want to thank you so very much for your kindness and your hospitality. Um, blown me away. You make your pastor you make your pastor very proud. Uh, speaking of your pastor, he was just at my house last week, and he was just bragging on y'all. He was just so proud of his church family, and so thankful that he has the opportunity to minister to this church body and. Um, I'm going to give him a good report for sure. You all have just been so kind to me, and I'm so very thankful for that. You don't get that everywhere, unfortunately. That's the truth. But I appreciate you all so very much. And again, I'm just highly honored to be here with you this evening. Amen. Amen. I love your pastor again so dearly. He has been such a blessing to my life. His ministry has just impacted me greatly. And uh, I know that he's doing the same here in Ironton in this church and again you all are you all are just blessed beyond measure amen and speaking of your pastor once again i i am not your pastor brother vinnie he'll preach the pain off the walls i like to think myself more as a teacher and it is wednesday night we call it bible study back home i might teach a little bit i might preach a little bit we'll just see what happens we're just going to let the lord have his way and i just want you to receive tonight what i feel the lord has for us in this place Amen. We're going to turn to John chapter 10. Amen. We're going to read out of the King James Version this evening. I give honor to my pastor back home, Pastor Enzi and his family. Thankful that he gave me the opportunity to to leave my home church and come down here and be with you all. And again, to Brother Vinny and Sister Jen and Hudson and Aubrey. Just love that family so much. And... I know I've said it, but I, I don't think you can say it enough. Ironton and greater faith is blessed with a great pastor and family. Amen. Believing for, and, I, and he, he was, again, last week he was bragging on the revival that's taking place here in this community. And I'm just so excited to be a part of that. I feel it. I feel it in the worship. I feel like someone has made sacrifice in preparation for this evening. I feel that in my spirit tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ben and Brother David and Brother Luke on the drums. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. John chapter 10. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, you can cheat and look on the screen. Verse number 9 says, I am the door. 
This is Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, for the thief, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We'll look at this scripture in a little deeper context here as we move forward. But tonight, I just want to preach to you for the next few moments, and I won't keep you too long. I'm going to set my stopwatch right now. I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to preach for a few minutes on this subject, the four doors. The four doors. Would you pray with me this evening? Lord, I'm so thankful, God, for your presence that we feel so richly in this place. God, I'm praying tonight that you would honor the preparation, the prayer, the effort that has been put into this evening's service. I pray, God, that every heart, every mind would be open to receive your word, God, that your word would be that lamp unto our feet and that light unto our pathway. Let it bring clarity, God, to the confusion, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let it lead us and guide us, Lord. Let it be that light for us in the darkness of this world, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let every heart, every mind be open to receive, and we will give you the praise and the thanks in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. Amen. Now, if I were to take a poll in this room tonight for those that have researched, well, let me, I guess, let me preface this by saying I'm kind of a history guy. I I enjoy history. And um, oddly enough, I enjoy doors. I enjoy history. So we're going to put those two together. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history of doors. I'm pretty confident if I was to ask if anybody in this room have researched the history of doors, I would probably be the only one to slip my hand up there. But I, I, I enjoy history, as many do, and uh, whether that makes me special, so be it. Uh, one could say that doors first became a thing around 3000 BC when wooden doors, they were first installed in structures on the continent of Europe. And we're going to quickly go through this because I don't want to lose you too early. We're going to fast forward to 2000 BC and we see the st- that stone doors become prevalent in Asia. And we get into scripture in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 587 BC. For those keeping chronological track, we read of King Solomon utilizing olive wood overlaid with gold to construct the double door for the temple in Jerusalem. In the first century AD, we see folding and sliding doors were created in the Roman-controlled city of Pompeii. Some of you might have those in your kitchen or for your, uh, your pantry at home. Also during this time period, a Greek scholar invented the first automatic door. That kind of blew me away, first century automatic doors. I don't, it's good. I, I, it gets me pumped. I don't know about you. but Fast forwarding again to the 5th century, we find the first foot sensor activated autom- automatic door that was created in China. Throughout the 6th and ninth centuries, we see copper and bronze become popular substrates used for door production in medieval Europe. And then through the 12th and 5th centuries, as architecture evolves, it, we see intricately detailed and even hand-carved wooden doors become the choice for elegant structures. Fast forwarding again to 1881, my personal favorite of the door inventions becomes a reality when the first revolving door was was produced in Germany. And you cannot tell me 
that you have not taken your liberty when you have first encountered a revolving door and gone around in that thing a couple times. We don't want any liars in the house. We know that we know we all have done it. I'm sure I've, <laughs> I'm sure I've exhausted everyone's attention at this point, so let me rush through the rest of these. In 1909, an American chemist invents the first synthetic plastic, also known as polymer. He makes a door out of that. In 1932, a researcher in Illinois creates mass production of fiberglass to use, they use to make doors. And then during World War II, aluminum and glass doors were introduced due to the steel shortages caused by the production of the war machines, such as airplanes, tanks, etc. And I find this one particularly interesting because for five years I was a project manager at a company that produced aluminum and glass doors, the doors that, that guard the, the exterior of our facility here. But by the 1970s, polymer production passed, it, it surpassed the production of steel worldwide and in 1981, a company called Specialite introduced the first fiber reinforced polymer door which became the door of choice for anything from schools to businesses to factories and industrial buildings due to their durability but lightweight design. So there you have it. Sorry, I, I just rushed through that for you. I didn't want to lose you. You can mark it down now off your bucket list. You, have, you know the history of doors. So no matter, though, on your hit, no matter your opinion on door history or whether doors, the fact is, is that doors play an integral part in our lives. My home, for example, has 23 doors and Every one of them is utilized almost daily. I have a, and I have a certain expectation when I use each one of these doors. When, with, with doors being so commonplace in our lives, you know, we can often take them for granted. Kind of like, you know, electricity, the light switches on the walls. You know, you flip that light switch, there's an expectation there. You expect the light to come on. So like that light switch, and I don't, I don't know about you, but when I punch the code into my electronic door lock or I turn the key in my door, I, I expect something to happen. I expect that latching mechanism to disengage and for me to gain access to my home. Just like the flipping of that light switch, you know, I, I'm not anticipating any surprises when I walk through the front door. You know, flip light switch, light on. Punch code, turn key, door unlock. I expect, to walk in, I expect to walk in, you know, to an empty house for my family to be there, to be greeted by my dogs. You know, we all have our typical expectations of when we walk into our homes. But as much as I enjoy, enjoy a good surprise, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not walking in expecting to be greeted by a big, hairy grizzly bear, or I'm not expecting to be met by two feet of standing water, God forbid. We all have our personal version of normal when we walk through a door. My hope today is that we can rediscover the importance and invaluable role that doors play in our lives. And ultimately, I, I want us to re rediscover the importance of the door, that door that we read about in John chapter 10, that door that leads to life and life more abundantly. Amen. So whatever their size or, or shape or material composition, doors have a threefold purpose. Number one is admittance. Number two is instruction, excuse me, obstruction, and number three is protection. Doors provide admittance, obstruction, protection. These four doors presented to us in scripture that we're going to read about and how we view these doors, that will have a, they will have a profound impact on how our lives uh, play out and ultimately what our eternal destination will be. And of these doors, the first one I want to look at 
is again, we're going to go back to John chapter 10, verse 9, and we're going to label each one of these doors. If you're a note taker, door number one that we're going to be talk about, it is an open door, which no man can close. An open door, which no man can close. Again, John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The statement here that Jesus makes when he says, I am the door. This is the third of seven I am declarations recorded in the gospel of John alone. These I am proclamations, they point to his unique divine identity and purpose. And these are a metaphorical description of Jesus that give us insight into his primary mission. And that mission today is he comes to give life to those that will come to him. Amen. Amen. Likewise, in this particular, this particular I am statement, Jesus colorfully points out for us the exclusive nature of salvation by specifying that he is the door, not just a door. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says unto them, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want to remind someone tonight here under, my, under the sound of my voice, there, there is only one way. There is only one door. There is only one hope. There is only one formula for life and life more abundantly. Amen. That door tonight, it is not, it is not armor plated with security padlocks from top to bottom, but it is an open door for whosoever would come to him. And it's unfortunate tonight that our excessively tolerant and politically correct world has made it, made it a fashionable thing to say that there are just ways, there are so many different ways to God. They would want us to believe that every, that that, that is a true statement and, and, and anyone who would think or claim otherwise is considered narrow-minded or simply a bigot. But Jesus, he doesn't, use, or he doesn't use threatening language or harsh rhetoric. He simply invites the world to this open door by simply making his claim. He is not just a new way. He is not just a better way. But he is the only way. Amen. Amen. And while this door... It is always open. Yes, this door is always open. You can come and go as you please. But Scripture also shows us that this door is a narrow door. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. In verse 14, Because straight is the gate, Narrow is the way which leadeth unto eternal life, and few there be that find it. Amen. This door you must approach, and I can't make it much simpler than this. You must approach this door with your priorities in proper alignment. The alternative, which is a result of a flesh-first approach, will result in, as the scripture tells us, simply destruction. It will result in an eternal separation. But I do not believe the words like the words like separation and destruction are meant to define this body of believers that I'm, I'm speaking to this evening. For it is not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He did not come to separate and he did not come to destroy. 
But Jesus came to seek and to save and to provide a pathway tonight to life everlasting. Amen. Luke chapter 13 verse 24 goes on to say, Strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. They shall strive to enter in at the straight gate. We're called to strive. We need to heed these words of Jesus and make the choice to strive. When you're striving for something, that means there's going to be some struggle. When you're striving for something, that implies that there, there might be a, a roadblock, there might be a hindrance, something that you have to fight your way through. It's not an easy endeavor. Nothing was ever promised to us to be simple when, we were, when living for God. Nothing was ever promised to be easy for us in living for God. But if we purpose tonight in our hearts that our focus will be on the heavenly, heavenly reward, the striving of passing through that narrow gate, it doesn't seem so daunting when your focus is in the right direction. When your focus is on the right things in life, eternal hope, it becomes more and more attainable. When you direct your focus upward rather than outward. When you get your focus off of the situation and you get it on the Savior. When you get your focus off the world and you begin to get it on the one that can save the world. Amen, amen. Amen. That is our first door tonight. An open door which no man can close. Door number two we're going to look at tonight. This is an open door which any man can close. An open door which any man can close. Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now, you didn't mishear me. Door number two we're talking about. It's an open door which any man can close. And I see where you might see some contradiction here when our scripture says, it's an open door and no man can shut it. But we'll get there in just a second. This door that we're talking about here, this is the door of opportunity. This is the door for service. This passage is part of a letter that Jesus writes to the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the seven churches that are addressed in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. And it's only one of the two out of those seven that are not rebuked for their shortcomings. Jesus recognizes that though they may be small in number, they kept his word and they did not deny his name. And in turn, Jesus rewards their faithfulness with an open door for service that cannot be shut by man. Now, what these specific opportunities were, we don't know, because, but we can always expect that duties faithfully performed will lead to greater opportunities. But Jesus had opened a door for ministry that the Philadelphians could not close. And this is the same type of door that was opened for Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. This door, this door of service that God opened for Paul was a door that even the current emperor Nero couldn't close, no matter how hard he may have attempted. This door of service is open to us as well, to you and I tonight. We are called to a life of service and to be good stewards. We are called to be good stewards of those opportunities and the divine appointments that God gives each of us. This call tonight is rooted in two areas. 
Though they may be different at face value, they are inexorably connected to one another. The first being the great commandment in Matthew chapter 22, and that is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second area of this root, of this root area is the second one is the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 to go and to teach all nations, baptizing them in Jesus' name. The great commandment and the great commission. These two root areas of this call are to love God and to love others. And to take the gospel of Christ to the nations. That's service. These things deal with both the spiritual and the physical needs in life. So, to bring some clarity to why we have labeled this door this way, we need to understand that this door that God opens can't be closed by any outside forces, but it is a door that man may close. It's a door that may close if laziness enters the picture. An apathetic lifestyle can slam this door shut. An undoubtedly blatant rejection without doubt, a blatant rejection of this call to service will shut this door. God will not force anything upon an unwilling vessel. You can be sure of that. And our actions or lack thereof can and will effectively close and open this door. It will close an open door. So the responsibility tonight falls on you and it falls on me to take great, great care of this call. It's a call that we need not walk alone if we approach it with the reverence it deserves. But it's an opportunity that we share collectively tonight as the church body. It's not an endeavor that we need to approach on our own. And I am so thankful today that I don't have to fulfill the call to service by myself Because I'm just one part of this body of Christ and we can fulfill this call together. I'm thankful for a body of believers from whom I can draw strength from, who I can draw wisdom and insight from, who I can draw direction from, from those, those seasoned saints that have seen a thing or two. We can walk through this door of service together. And that is the way God intended. God intended for us to be together. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we're here tonight. God desires for us to do things, serve him, and minister to th- and be a blessing to the kingdom together. Amen. That is door number two, an open door which any man can close. Door number three, this is a closed door which no man can open. And this door is a picture of the door of heaven. A closed door which no man can open. This door is open only to those who have made themselves ready. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 10. A familiar parable of ten bridesmaids who needed some oil for their lamps. And while they, being the five bridesmaids who didn't come prepared, they went to buy. And when they, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. In Eastern cultures, in, the, in these Middle Eastern cultures, it's customary at social events to close and lock the doors after all the guests have arrived to the party. And after the door has been shut and locked, there is no admittance for anyone. All the wisdom and shrewdness of the world can never pry this door open. Preparation for the bridegroom's return must be paramount for us today. 
I'm so thankful for those that have made the decision to get themselves ready near the end of their lives. You know, I've witnessed it firsthand, family members that have made the decision on their deathbed to get their heart right with God. But that, that's, I, I, I'm thankful for that, but that cannot be our mentality today. We can't delay in giving everything to Jesus because the reality is, is the door to heaven, it will lock eventually. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. I'm a believer in now moments. I'm believe, I believe there's no better time than now. Today is the day of salvation. There is no reason worth being stuck on the wrong side of heaven's door. There is nothing, no sin that is worth missing out on everything that God has for you. There's no life experience that is worth missing out on God's purpose for your life. Speaking to someone that's been mauling over this decision to, to, to come to Jesus. They've been mauling over this decision on what side of the fence they're eventually going to fall on. There's no better day than today than to make preparation to receive everything that Jesus has reserved for you. He has a seat at the marriage celebration with your name on it. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready tonight to walk through that door? Hallelujah. Praise God. That is the third door tonight, a closed door which no man can open. We've come to our fourth and final door this evening. This door is simply described as a closed door which any man can open. And tonight, this door, it's the heart of, it's the heart of man. It's your heart. It's my heart. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, we know the scripture, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. In Revelation chapter 3, which we'll read next, this passage is addressed to the church at Laodicea. And here Jesus, he reverses the order that we see in Matthew chapter 7. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So instead of us knocking at the door, it's Jesus who is the one that's seeking entrance. It's us that has control of the doorknob. Hear the truth, hear, hear the truth of free moral agency or what we call free will. It clearly comes out. We can either accept or reject this divine offering that Jesus is making. The appeal of Jesus is to, the, to this church is for them to give Him and, and service to Him the rightful place it deserves. To give that service that He has called us to, to give it the rightful place in our life that it deserves. The church is described here as, in, this, in this passage as lukewarm, being neither hot nor cold. Both extremes, you know, being positive, but the middle just being useless. This passage, it presents us with a choice. Will, will we continue to ride the fence or, or will we choose to, allow, to, choose to allow the master access to every area of our lives? By context, this passage is written to Christians where Jesus is saying, come back to me. Christians that have fallen away, that have walked away, and he's saying, come back to me. And to those who have never experienced the power of the gospel, he is saying, come to me for the first time. I'm standing at the door and knocking, the Lord says. 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I will not leave you with question tonight. I will come in and I will dwell with you. This is a picture of Jesus here reaching for those that he, that he, that, that he might fulfill his original mission that we read in Luke chapter 19. That mission being coming, him coming to seek and to save all of those which were lost. Amen, amen. What is, again, that is our fourth door, the closed door which any man can open. That is the door of, that is the door of our hearts. That's the door that we control. That's the door that we possess power to. That's, 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 the, that's the example of the free will, whether we choose to accept or reject God's petition. What is probably one of the most well-known pictures of Jesus is a painting, and it's called Jesus at the Door by Holman Hunt. If you get a chance to look at this picture, I, I hope... Maybe tonight you remember and you get a chance to look it up at some point. But you will notice that the picture, the door in this picture, again, it's called Jesus at the door. The door in this picture, it has no handle or knob. It's just a door and a door frame. When questioned about this, the artist replied that the handle, the reason you can't see the handle is the handle is on the inside. And that we are the ones that must open the door. I thought that the Lord impressed upon me on the way down here this evening as I was driving, and that thought was in order to be able to open the door, our hands must be empty. We can't be holding on to baggage. We can't be holding on to distractions. We can't be holding on to weights, things that would hold us back. We can't be holding on to sin. Those things that can beset us and hold us back from pursuing the purpose of God in our lives. Our hands need to be empty tonight. I'm sure I'm not the only one here that when you come home from the grocery store, i got to get every bag in one trip. You know, whether my, if I can't feel my fingers by the time I get the bags to the, to, into the house, so be it. But I'm getting all those bags in one trip. It's just a guy thing, I'm guessing. But we can't be holding on that stuff when we come to Jesus. We need to come to him with open hands and an open heart. We need to lay down the sin and distractions, those weights that does so easily beset us. I believe that when we come to him with that type of posture, that is a posture that he will not refuse. But that is the posture rather that he desires. Coming to him openly, not trying to hide away or keep any of those secret doors shut in our lives, but giving him full reign, giving him, giving him a complete picture openly of the things that we are dealing with and the things that we are facing. If we could stand together tonight, I feel the ministering presence of the Lord beginning to move right now. I don't know who this word was for tonight, but I believe it was for somebody in this place. We must tonight, we must not delay in opening the door of our lives to Jesus and and enter into the door that is Christ and pass through the door that is service and come through the door to heaven which leads to eternal life. There's only one way tonight, church. There's only one way to access that perfect salvation. And that is through the Lamb that was slain on Calvary's cross. 
Oh, and I'm thankful today that I know his name. I'm thankful today that he is not hidden from me. Thankful today that he is always available to me and he is always available tonight, church. I want someone to hear that tonight. God is always available. He has not hidden himself from you. He has not tried. He's not a God of separation. He has not separated himself from you. But as the scripture read, he simply stands tonight at the door. He knocks on that door tonight, seeking entrance into your heart. Maybe it's been a while since you've allowed him to come in, since you've allowed yourself to be subjected to the potter's wheel and allowed him to shape you and mold you and make you even more in what, you, what he wants you to be. You know, sometimes I like to think I got it all together, but that's just my flesh speaking. Sometimes I like to think I have everything figured out. But the truth is, I really don't. The truth is, I really don't. Because on my own, I am, I, am, I am simply nothing. I am simply nothing without Him. When He takes control of my life, I know that that is when I, have, I, am, under the, I am under control of the best direction for my life. When I allow Him to take the reins and order every step and lead me and guide me through every situation when I make him the center of everything that I do I'm praying tonight as I begin to open these altars I just want to give us an opportunity if you would like to to come up here and pray and just just nurture your relationship with God right now I hope everyone under the sound of my voice desires a relationship with God and if you already have one God bless you I'm thankful for that but I know that I want we can always go deeper and I want to go deeper in God you can have tonight all of God that you want and I pray tonight that you would make the decision to get all of him that you can let it begin with a prayer of God let there be less of me and more of you in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.